With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, TC here. Our friends at Cooper Tires have a great option that they want you to know about. It is the Cooper Discoverer Enduramax. The Enduramax tire has enhanced durability thanks to technology from Cooper's off-road truck tires. This means the drivers can tackle any road condition with a smooth and quiet ride. The Enduramax is packed with cut-and-chip-resistant tread technology that helps combat poor road conditions that try to chew up your tires. Its improved internal construction helps provide an even footprint and thus improves tread wear. Light truck belts have been integrated into the design, thus helping to improve strength and overall driver handling. If you drive an SUV, you need this tire. All Cooper tires are backed by a limited warranty, a 45-day test drive warranty, and select products are backed by a treadwear mileage warranty, helping to give you confidence on the road. For complete product and warranty details, please visit www.coopertires.com or www.coopertires.ca in Canada. Neil, what's going on? Uh, not much. I'm jacked up to talk about Montana with our Montana expert. We're going home, baby. I'm so excited about this. Where I'm, I'm driving this ship this time around because you're the expert. So you tell me, where are you from in Montana? Give me, give me a lay of the land. And in relation to the course we're talking about, which is Whitefish's public 36-hole complex, and it's the Whitefish Golf Club? Whitefish Lake. Whitefish Golf Lake, Club. that's right. A course that Tron and I have played uh, a long time ago. We were going to a, a friend of ours. Gary, shout out to Gary Marshall. His wedding up in Cranbrook or St. Eugene Mission across the border in Canada. We flew into Kalispell with our parents, and uh, this was when Alex was uh, pregnant with, so four and a half years ago, I'd say, and we stopped in Whitefish for a couple days, and Tron and I played a round at Whitefish. We teed off, I think we teed off at 5.45 p.m. on an August evening, and we finished at sundown, I want to say at 10 p.m., which was Maybe one of the most memorable rounds of golf uh, from a vibe standpoint. Couldn't couldn't have vibed harder out there. With two of us walked eighteen holes at night, basically, which was awesome. So, not to hijack this, but where is Whitefish Lake in in relation to where you're from, and what's your experience with it? Yeah, Whitefish Lake. You know, the golf course sits in the you know the western side of the town of Whitefish, and super fortunate for me. So, so first of all. I'm from originally a, a small town in north central Montana that would be Shelby and a beautiful golf course there called Marias Valley that that we'll get it'll we be on get. it yeah it, we'll be there so I don't know if that'll be a, a necessary on the podcast but listen I guarantee you the crash course will be making an appearance there because it's an awesome golf course and I and I have to bring it home so Whitefish how I got to Whitefish is that it's literally a straight shot west from Shelby so when I was a little kid. You know, as crazy as it sounds, my grandma and grandpa had a little, uh, a mountain home, you know, over in the Flathead Valley. So their, their mountain home was on a golf course called Eagle Bend that's outside of Big Fork. And what, what they would do is that grandma and grandpa would be, 
you know, over in the mountains during the summertime and they would take me and, and my siblings or whoever else wanted to go. And we had an Amstrad, a- Amtrak terminal, excuse me, in town. They'd put me on the train and send me due west. And, and how long was that train? It would probably take four hours. I can't God. even remember. Big sky country, baby. Right. So, yeah. so not only that, so the actual route, so you're going straight across the High Line in northern Montana. But you're also cutting through the Blackfeet Indian Reservation, and then you're going through the entirety of Glacier National Park. So just a, a beautiful, beautiful train ride the entire time, which is crazy to think about, you know, like a, yeah. a kid kind of getting on a train by himself and just going you, off. I'm old enough to to remember my parents, you know, my grandparents put me on a flight to to in, in Atlanta to meet my parents in Hawaii. And walking me right. all the way to the gate. They're not getting on the plane, but they're going all the way through security and then handing me off to the gate agent. Be like, cool, just make sure this kid sits down in that seat and, and his parents will be on the other side. And just like how, you know, simpler times. This is, you know, this is pre 9-11, right? Right. So it's like, yeah, you know, like just make sure he, he gets on the train and everything will take care of itself. <laughs> I remember I used to do the exact same thing on that train too. I'd go get my seat get all set up, go grab a Coca-Cola and they'd, they'd have these uh, like pizzas, like little personal pan pizzas. Hell yeah. Crush them. Get a little pepperoni pizza, sit there. We only had, I think, like three or four stops uh, before we actually got to Whitefish and, you know, just a delightful trip. But grandma and grandpa would pick me up at the, uh, you know, the Amtrak terminal in Whitefish, head back down to Big Fork, which isn't that far away. But it was kind of in our, our rotation. You know, we would hit up uh, so- Whitefish Lake the we, Amtrak was in, it was in Whitefish. The yeah. state wasn't Kalispell. No, Amtrak goes straight into Whitefish. So Kalispell being just a little bit south of, of Whitefish. Yeah. And I think, I can't remember if it stops in Columbia Falls or not. Columbia Falls would be the, the further eastern town, I guess, right next to, to yeah. you know, uh, West Glacier. Um, I know there's a terminal there on the, the western side of Glacier National Park. But yeah, I'd get off at the, the Amtrak station and in whitefish and it start my summer basically and we would just beat up all the courses in the, the flathead valley it was awesome another thing i want to shout out uh because so it seems like whitefish is changing mm-hmm. with uh the iron horse you know kind of that discovery land co-development up there <laughs> feels like you know feels like there's an episode of uh yellowstone you know yeah. about white you know the developers have come in and you know <laughs> Iron Horse, that course, you know, straight Foz, right? Right. But I do want to shout out bar and whitefish called Great Northern. And, and my buddies and I were up there for my friend's bachelor party in 2019. And uh, we, we've we all agreed that it's the best bar in, in North America. Like, I'm, I'm making a TC. I'm going there. I'm, it, is, it is my favorite bar in North America. It's got it all. It's got the live music. It's grimy. It's got cheap cold beers. It's got cowboys. It's got pool. <laughs> got patios it is just like your old old western throwback bar and it's massive and yeah i just wanted to give them a shout out right and that's like the old school whitefish vibe but yeah. you know got the new money moving into town so i'm sure there's you know wh- where whitefish like this golf course still feels like it's it's there for the for the locals it's hard to describe whitefish lake because it's a typical semi-private course i would say it's more semi-public so open for play, anybody can come and show up, but you know, just like the lot of, you know, the majority of courses that I grew up in, they do offer, you know, membership options and it's, it's actually a 
a steal. I mean, you get a, a season pass, go out there, burn it up. You can drop your kids off. Fish Lake has always had men's leagues, women's leagues, couples leagues. And, you know, the golf course really is a huge part of the community. And it's amazing to have like 36 old facility right there that the city owns. I think they still lease it out to uh, Whitefish Lake, like the golf, you know, association that actually manages it. But it's theoretically a city owned course. And and it's just amazing to see. Well, it's another thing. I saw this because then Tron and I and our, our family, we went up to Canada. We, we went, you know, going to the sun, went through Glacier National Park. What a treat. Unfortunately, you know, I wish there were more glaciers, but that's a, you know, it's a wider argument. The, or that's another story. I don't want to digress there, but golf in Canada. And I got a sense of this at Whitefish too, is there's such a short season that there's no time to be too private. It's like, oh man, get your rounds in. Like everybody is welcome because like, we got to fill this place up. And, you know, it's almost like everybody just knows like we got to like, everybody just got to get their golf in, in this, this, you know, short season here. Which is a great vibe because then it, it 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 feels much more communal. That and it's also just like golf courses need space. There's plenty of space out there. So like I really want to in the next couple of years start exploring golf in, in kind of the vast American West. Like not so you know not so much the big city golf on the West Coast. We've we've done a little bit of that, but like places like this in Montana, it just it piques my interest, especially with that the three or four courses we played both here in whitefish and then up in Canada. It's just like, man, these are awesome. Problem is you can only play them in the summer. Growing up golf was, was a way to, you know, spend time with your friends, with your family. It, it wasn't about the club or, or anything that you belong to. Everybody knew where the super nice courses were at. All those nice courses are still relatively public or like I said, semi-private and you can still get onto them. And then you have true municipals. You can go out and pay, 10 bucks to go play basically all day long if you want and and grab a cart it doesn't really matter what you're doing or or how good you are just come out and enjoy the game and and try to get into it all right so let's get into it so give me a little history on on whitefish and i want it's whitefish golf course whitefish lake sorry i I keep getting the name wrong (laughs) whitefish lake golf club Whitefish Lake Golf Club. What's the history of this place? Yeah, so originally uh, built, I guess you could say not really built, but developed in the in the 1920s and 30s. Basically got a, a, a deal on land and a government grant to help them along the way. But, but ultimately, you know, a group of people came together, bought it up, got some help financing it, and originally started with a nine-hole course. Uh, and then over time, they've, they've added sections of nine, have they, have they, you know, as they've continued and over time, you know, you, you see the different waves that come in American golf and, you know, you, you start out in the twenties and thirties and nine hole facilities. And then, you know, coming out of world war two and everything when, when, you know, the 50, the late forties, 50 starting to happen again, and there's a little bit of money and people are starting to, Hey, we need to invest back in, into America and give places for young families and everything to hang out at. You know, you see the additional nine, come out to make uh, 18 holes and some improvements they put in tennis courts and things like that. And then, you know, to the boom, I don't know if you want to say that the good boom or or not, but really the boom of the the 70s, 70s and 80s and some really bad golf courses that we see all over the, you know, the United States. We're very lucky that at least for Whitefish's case, an awesome course got put in and it's not by any well-known designers or anything else like that. You know, local guys that have, 
a little bit of uh, of background in in architecture and basically finding the right people to come out and help shape and and plant and and get this course to where it needs to be. So you're saying the Jones family cartel didn't didn't uh, <laughs> didn't set up shop in the in the Whitefish area? Well, right. I mean, I'm sure they they wanted to really high, really hard, but you know they have a lock on a lot of places in the United States. Out. Right. That's good. That's here. Right. You know, but it, but it's awesome to see like the the evolution of golf courses, especially in places where you don't really think or most people don't talk about golf, and that's a, you know the true heart of of the Midwest, and that's like I said where I grew up at, and it's just places that start and some courses that you know go all the way back to little nine hole courses that have sand sand greens to finally putting grass on them, and then over time the community gets a little bit more money and and ideas, and it's this evolution of these clubs. And they're still there. And, and the majority of them are still there because number one, they're not choked out by residential areas or, or people coming in and just making complete like land grabs to develop it out. But it's also because of the community. I mean, the community loves these places. They want to protect them. And they're also looking for places that, hey, these are important to to the families. These are important to the to the community. And and in Whitefish's case, like, you know, the state. I, I mean, like I said, I grew up going there and and playing with with Gramps and and kind of beating it up, but what made me fall in love with it is that I used to go to Whitefish, like in the summers during middle school. It's kind of weird to say, but like golf camp. I'm sure you went yeah. to like football camp. I did. I went to golf camp too. Right. So yeah. Listen, and I loved it. That's that's where you know I still credit. Uh, I went to Georgia Tech golf camp at Barry College, and I credit uh, Coach Steve Jones, old coach at Georgia State, with teaching me how to chip. Right. So I've always. Like I've still used the same same technique he taught me when I was in sixth grade. So this, the same thing here. I mean, I went to golf camp and it was, you know, the host club was Whitefish Lake. And yeah. we stayed like at these condos that were up, uh, you know, on the mountain and we're bust down every day. And, and we got to go play like almost every course in the Flathead Valley, which was amazing. And you had such amazing instruction and the head pro at the time who who was Putting it on is still the head professional at Whitefish Lake now, Timmy Olson, and he Timmy is Olson. shout out to Timmy Olson. He is uh, honestly he's the reason why I wanted to get into the golf industry because of not just how when I first saw him he was the guy in the golf shop that was selling shirts and, and doing everything that he can for you know not only his membership but for daily play and everything else like that. But the way that he interacted with his students and he's a phenomenal teacher and he which is weird for me to say because like I never, you know, most people don't grow up looking at a left-handed swing and just hits rockets out there. And it was so cool to learn from him and see, you know, see how he, his ultimate love for the game. How many kids were, were at the camp oh, normally? Uh, well over a hundred. Yeah. See, God, that's just like, the reason I like the camp thing too is because it's such a it's hard. I think the junior program stuff to sustain it is difficult. But if you can, it was always attractive to me as a kid to be like, "Cool, I'm gonna go like just play golf for a week, right?" And like it's gonna be very, it's very manageable on both sides of that. Like it's manageable for a kid's attention to like, and it's a good, I think, a good um, sample size to be like, "I really like this," and now I'm gonna seek it out for myself. And it's also like for a guy like Timmy Olson, like he can call up the course in the area. Like, dude, once a year, I'm just going to need you to like 
set up some tea times for like a hundred kids. Like, can you, can you just do that six months in advance? Like it feels like a very sustainable way to grow the game. If you know, to use a phrase we all love, right? Uh, a hundred kids, like that's a huge impact, right? A week of golf for a hundred kids. Like think of, like I still, like I, we're just talking about like, remember the names of the coaches. I remember exactly what they taught me. Like it's a very, you know, of all the sports camps I went to, I would say the golf ones stick with me the most. Those formed childhood, not only memories, but friendships that, that lasted me all through me playing junior golf. And I grew up in a super small town that it wasn't just golf. You know, I, I played football. I wrestled. I wasn't good at football, but hey, I did it because that's just what you do. You, you take up your yeah. time and it's the same same group of people that you see everywhere. And it's just, you know, for a young person, it, it was amazing just to, to meet people from outside of your little circle, your town. Uh, and carry on, you know, friendships that that in some cases, you know, last a lifetime and you can check in on them and see what's what's going on. I love Whitefish because of that, because it does truly feel like home and, and, and it's hard. It's really hard to describe. But like the the personnel that that work there and like I said, specifically Tim Olson, he he's one of the guys that like that's why I love golf. Sure. And without his like impact or, or you know, on my life, I don't. I don't really know where I'd be. I don't know what I'd be so into. And it's amazing that a guy like that will not only stay at a club for as long as he has, but is still doing the exact same thing and still out there teaching juniors and doing ladies league and men's leagues. And the biggest thing for, for Whitefish Lake, and they have a great tournament series. But if you're in the Midwest or really kind of more of the Pacific Northwest, the amateur tournament to play in each year is the Whitefish Lake 4th of July tournament. And it is a, a who's who of amateur golfers, both men's and women. And it happens the weekend right around. So usually the weekend right before the 4th. Yeah, I know 4th of July is a big on Whitefish Lake oh, yeah. too. And it is, it's, it's, it's the place to be. They have the, the three-day tournament that's just awesome with tons of events you know not just rounds but the calcuttas they have you know long drive competitions they have you know what we would call it a derby other people call it like a shootout and, and just a, a great place it's it's everybody that that you see both in the the junior the amateur and the mid-am circuit on both men's and women's just kind of there and it's become this thing that you know over time it's just this beast of, a, of an event and it's like something that like it would be awesome for us like get the crew to go up because it is a it's an awesome event and a one of the best places you can possibly be for fourth of july have uh have you played in it i played in it one time how'd you do horrible really yeah that's a you know that's a different story i'll talk about the golf <laughs> I this is like i think i was a junior in high school and one of my older brothers that summer gave me his like ID. So it was the first time that I was like, you know, away from my, you know, the hometown and I could go and, and, you know, try this ID out. And, you know, I definitely tried it out and it was just a, a bad scene, bad scene. Hell yeah. Golf is another story. That might be a nest pod story. Right. Golf is not the focus of that weekend. It definitely was the 4th of July, but. Well, you got to think a guy like Timmy Olsen sticks around because what a good facility, right? So of the 36 holes, like what, tell me about the courses. Yeah, north course and the south course. So 
I would say a typical what you, a parkling course. Uh, the South Course has a lot more surprisingly water features tied into tied into the holes just because of the ponds and runoff areas that are down there coming out of the lake. And I played, and I remember that I got a huge sense of. Like I was telling you before this, I, I don't remember, this is really early days of NLU. So we weren't like, I think as I've gotten more into golf, I have no problem remembering every hole I play now. Right. Like I really do feel like I can remember almost like every hole pretty, pretty well. But back when, you know, golf was more of a hobby, things run, you you just don't remember them. Or maybe, maybe it's because I've gotten better too. I don't know. That's an interesting topic in its own of like, when you're hitting so many more shots on a course, it's harder to keep track of, right. you know, almost like blackout because you're playing crappy. But I got really on that South course, I got, um, it reminded me a lot of Bandon Trails. Like I remember I went to Bandon Trails like two or three years later. And I remember th- saying to Tron, this reminds me of Whitefish Lake w- with the, especially like the seven, eight, nine stretch on, on trails. Uh, it has the, the term I've used that trails is it has the revenant vibe forests you're just like whoa man like you just you feel so like you're you're out in it feels like going back in time a little bit and true american west vibes of like you know leo and some indians chasing him and get the pelts you know like (laughs) you're just like whoa man where am i like this doesn't look like anything i've ever seen before so i think more of that story is i need to spend more time in montana uh because i love it but yes the ponds and stuff is it's the visuals of that with these massive trees and the rolling, you know, there's some, there was, I remember there being very flat fairways, but then like these hills behind the greens and stuff would like frame up the holes. It was, it was awesome. I remember it being the first place that I've ever been to growing up that like truly bunkers were positioned correctly on, on fairways to actually catch drives. And being like, you know, I don't know what it would be like because I haven't been back in a in a long time, and to see if you know, just based off of the advances of technology, and, and who knows, maybe I've been juicing or something like that. Maybe I can bomb it over it now. You've been in the gym with your NLU workout right. shirts. I know, right? Go to the pro shop. Right. Exactly. So I don't know if I'd be flying these things now, but you have elevation. The other thing too that's sneaky, you know, it catches up on you is that turf is different everywhere you go. Obviously. But the turf that we're talking about and turf contact with your clubs there, it's going to be soft. And the majority of that is not so much due to grass types or anything, but it's like, hey, there's there's no sand up here. Nothing sand capped. The grass yeah. is going to be super lush. And you get on the greens and it's going to be bent. And these greens are going to roll and they're going to be some of the fastest greens you've ever, you've ever put yeah. them on. Now they're going to be soft. I don't think we're going to be able to get them that firm. Exactly what you said. You have these northern pines that like frame everything, and then all of a sudden you have water features and some. Like every hole was like a new. It was like being on a hike, which is my favorite kind of course. Of like, oh my god! Like, look, we just stumbled across a hidden lake. Right, and we're. I didn't see that coming. And most of the holes you can't see other holes on, which is also what calls to mind trails. <laughs> right, is, you know they're all kind of like isolated, like their own little pieces of artwork that you're walking through. And then the other thing, tree related, I remember there being some really good uh, trees, like like standalone trees that were kind of hazards or like not really the fairway, but like right, you know, there'd be like right on the edge of a of a dog leg. Yep. And and getting stuck behind those, it's like man, you know, like there the it 
I, I really appreciate, I don't want like a ton of trees on a golf course in play, but like strategic ones are, uh, are a thrill. I think they're, you know, underutilized across most of the country. We're not talking about like new, new trees that went out there and got planted either. These are, these are mature trees that were left there for a reason that are at the corner of this dog leg that is, it's making you think about it. Yeah. Big ass, healthy trees. I remember the, like the thing that sticks out to me really on the South side is that the holes that, that frame that, that pond that's out there. So I think it's like six, seven, eight. Yes. And you kind of have like this eerie feeling because it's like, but you know what happens when like you have these old pine trees that like water's been over it and it, it's almost like the tops have been like chopped off of them. I'm just going to bring that up. But they're like, like they're not ghost trees, but they're just like out there in the pond still. And you're like, they're, they're in the middle of the lake and it just, it, the eerie vibe is exactly what that's the revenant vibe yes. of like, man, like what happened? Did these burn down? Right. What the hell is going on out here? And then there's nobody around, you know, you feel like you're on your own out there. And I was thinking it was this, that end of the front nine Yep, uh, is exactly, so I'm on the right track. So my memory is, is, uh, is intact. Um, but I, I know exactly what lake you're talking about with the, uh, with like the, the headless trees almost. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Like it's just a, it's a vibe I haven't really seen anywhere else. The trees that, that end the front nine and then 16, 17, 18, the finishing holes on that course, awesome par three on 16, 17 is a, a challenging, you know, par four. That's the greenest frame perfectly with these two bunkers on the right and left. And then 18, that lodge that's running your entire left-hand side. I think it's called like the, the gross mountain lodge or something like that. But this, this amazing, like basically looks like a massive cabin. And, and I say lodge because that's really what it is. If you've seen Yellowstone, their home where it's like made out of like, you know, the old pine logs, that's what this thing is. I think I, I remember saying to Tron, like, oh, that's where the uh, the colonel lived in Legends of the Fall. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's in the Hopkins' house. They, oh, they built a golf course behind it. Like, I was wondering what happened to that place. Right. So, all right. So what's, uh, what's your favorite hole out there then on the South course? Yeah, definitely one of the water holes. So I'd, I'd probably either say, say six or eight, just because of the way that they frame the water. I would say seven's awesome hole, short little par three that you got to carry that water the entire time. But I'm going to stick with, with eight, you know, it's a demanding par four water running up the entire left-hand side. And it makes you stand on that tee box and be like, okay, like you can bail as far right as you want here. But like, I might have, I'm gonna have to go back into the, I know I've got some videos in the phone that I'll, I'll have to send you, send to you after this. And, and maybe when we, we put this pod out, I'll try to, I'll try to flash them up on, uh, on social media, but yeah, those three holes, uh, that's, those are the ones I remember vividly as well. And then what about the, what about the North course, different vibe, not, not as much water. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I think the North course, it is not as much water in play on the course, but you get vast scenes of whitefish lake so you, oh, you okay. see the lake and you know the north course sits on the same size of the, of the property that the clubhouse and everything yeah. else is versus the south side has the driving range uh the you lodge and everything else yep so so would north the north course be the more like which one is probably more popular i would say north probably i mean yeah. at least all like final rounds for competitions are are finished on north i can go back and look like rating wise which actually like comes out as as being harder but i would definitely say like 
North is what I remember. North is, is has more sand in play. North green complexes are, are more difficult. Yeah, multi-tiers, things running in in every direction. Just not that much water in play. So it almost it almost calls my abandon again with like, you know, the, the ocean courses, you know, they get all the they get all the love, but then it sounds like the south course has that trails vibe of like, man, I mean the golf is really good over here. Right? On the side, you know, and and if you're looking for a hike through the woods, this is your place. Exactly. North there's one hole that like everywhere I've been playing golf, I I always have this memory of the 10th hole at Whitefish Lake North. And it's a, a super short, severe dogleg right par four that honestly, you, you don't have to hit a driver wood. You you hit it out there and set yourself up for the angle into a, a relatively easy shot into to the green side. When you're standing on the tee box, right-hand side is like the backside of the maintenance building. You You can try to carry that if you want and go straight at the green. The issue is, is that like, it's the only, one of the only courses I've ever been to that like, Hey, there's a tree, like in the center of the fairway out there. And it's this yeah. massive tree that like spreads out like 30 feet That's wide. Stanford's got that. right. And I'm like, yeah. okay. So I'm like being smart and I'm hitting like a, a five or six iron out here. Be back. So I'm not like a dummy trying to like push it too far up. But then you get up there and you're like, where did this tree come from? Like, yeah. what is happening here? It's like, no matter what you do, you always feel like you end up, the next shot is influenced by right. it. Right. Which is, which is, that's, if you have the trees for that, I love it. Right. But not everybody's got that trees like that, which is, which is, uh, you got to play to your strengths, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's your best, what's your best round out there? As a kid, I probably say I shot. I have a seventy-five on North. I think probably on South, my best is probably like seventy-six, seventy-seven. And it's been yeah. so long. Pending these COVID times, we're going to try to get back out to Montana with the family this year. So we'll see about that, and definitely, you know, look forward to God, to I more rounds play. around Whitefish Lake, yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. I love I love it up there. So all right, cool. Well, there there you have it. There's a uh, White Whitefish Lake golf club.